Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. A factual data creation facility production. Welcome to the OFNT podcast, episode 190, which I'm calling Fourth Anniversary. Yep, it's been four years since the first episode of this podcast. Hey, do me a favor and rate this podcast wherever you can. It'll help me out. Also, if you like what you hear, click on that donation link in the show notes. That'll help me justify my efforts to the one who must be obeyed. That'll make my life that much easier. Okay, what do you say we get on with this? Corrections. I have to correct the correction of last week. I stated that the $69 Apple Pencil did have the hover function. Well, there is no $69 Apple Pencil. There is, though, a $79 Apple Pencil. Tech news. As you probably know, Apple held its surprise, well, at least for the tech press, Scary Fast event. They, the tech press, mostly got what was announced correct, but were a little off. Well, I'll save that story for last and start off with some non-Apple news for a change. YouTube is taking its fight against ad blockers global, reads the headline from Engadget. I've previously reported on YouTube cracking down on users who circumvent the ads on the platform by using ad blocking software and my sympathies with these users. I mainly watch YouTube using my Apple TV box and the YouTube app, so I pay for YouTube premium so I'm not subjected to these intrusive ads. The crackdown started with just a small number of users who received pop-ups telling them that the use of ad blockers violated the platform's terms of service. Later, these pop-ups were timed in order to make sure users actually read the contents of them. In June of this year, YouTube warned viewers that they wouldn't be able to play more than three videos unless the ad blockers were removed. Well, starting this month, all users will be receiving these warnings and be urged to subscribe to YouTube Premium for an ad-free experience. I assume the three-video limit will actually be enforced this time around. Now, I understand the reasons behind these actions, but I can see both sides of this argument. In my experience, the ads on YouTube became more and more intrusive to the point that I couldn't bear to sit through a whole video. Perhaps if the ads were shortened, this would solve the problem? I'm sure there are young computer-savvy people who are developing another method to get around these new restrictions as I speak. Yes. From CNBC comes the headline, Elon Musk debuts Grok, 
AI bot to rival chat GPT's others. XAI, Musk's new AI venture, launched its first AI chatbot, which they are calling Grok. The bot is in its first two months of training and is only available to a select group of users before a planned wider release. I'm sure once released, Grok will only be available to paying customers of X, formerly known as Twitter, which, as I've said before, aims to become a super app, rivaling China's WeChat. Well, competition is good. Hopefully, Musk's version of an AI chatbot won't have the bias of its rivals. Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella sat down for an interview with Bloomberg Insider and said the hardest decision he has had to make since assuming the top post in Redmond was killing off Windows Phone back in 2017. Though that decision shocked and angered myself and I'm sure many others, I can see why he did it. Windows Phone was dying mainly because Google wouldn't port any of their apps over to the platform, and that was probably in revenge for how the company was treated by Microsoft when first established. The Windows Phone-powered Nokia 925 was my main phone until 2014, and while I had various iPhones also, they were used primarily as backup. At that time, Windows Phone was still the snappiest mobile operating system and it integrated well with the computer version of Windows, which I used exclusively until October 2015, and that's when I received my just recently retired iMac as a birthday gift from my lovely wife. Thank you. Towards the end of Windows Phone, HP had released a Windows Phone targeted towards business users that could double as a computer using an adapter and an external monitor. I remember almost pulling the trigger on buying that phone, but like Symbian before it, I saw the writing on the wall for my then-favorite phone and mobile operating system. After pulling out of the mobile phone market, Nadella-led Microsoft has done an excellent job of basically integrating Windows and Windows apps into the Android operating system, and of course, the Apple ecosystem. Who knows though, with Qualcomm, NVIDIA, and AMD all converting to the ARM-based CPU architecture, Perhaps the full-blown Windows OS can be made to run on a phone with the user, just one USB port and external monitor away from having just one piece of hardware for all their computing needs. Hey, stranger things have happened. From a report which appeared on Engadget, it seems the giant fruit company, Apple, has again suffered from declining revenue. What? This despite surging iPhone and services sales. This also marks the fourth quarter of overall revenue decline and a 1% decline of revenue year over year. Wow. This latest quarter hasn't included all of the new iPhone sales and, of course, the just-announced M3 chip devices. I don't think the upcoming and expensive Vision Pro headset would help with this either. In my opinion, Apple is trying to create a market for a need that doesn't yet exist. I know I won't even consider purchasing a Vision Pro until it costs less than $1,000. No. And even if that ever happens, no. I'd still consider the purchase of one very carefully. Apple's Scary Fast event was held on October 30th and took place in the evening and, as previously mentioned, is unusual for the company. The Scary Fast title seemed to apply to the length of the event. I clocked it at 31 minutes, making it the shortest Apple event I've ever watched. Before the main show began, we were treated to the now usual compilation of people using their Apple gear with subtle virtue signaling, which occurs throughout the event entirety. The one I noticed the most being two young people who apparently work in a t-shirt design studio, and they were working on a shirt whose back reads, and I quote, 
Immigrants for the people, by the people. What was missing was the word illegal, which should have been placed before the word immigrants. After that time waster, we get to the event itself. The opening scene showed an overhead drone shot of a dark and foggy Apple headquarters and zoomed to the equally fog-enveloped entrance. Out of the fog came old bow-legged Tim Cook, dressed in all black with an orange Apple watch band, who greeted the audience with a good evening before starting off with the usual pat-on-the-back spiel, which praises the fruit company he leads. Of course, this kicked off the also-usual parade of bow-legged presenters, though the parade was smaller than usual for an Apple event. We're then crazily zoomed through hallways down to the lab with the bow-legged lab chief, also emerging from a fog, welcoming us to his lab with his thick, I think, Eastern European accent. The new M3 chip is introduced and a rundown of specs follows. What I got from this long, boring rundown was that the M3 chip is the new wonder and has ray tracing, mesh shading, and memory dynamic caching. Okay. Other than that, it appears the new M3 is double the speed of the M1 chip, but only slightly faster than the M2 chip, though it's 30% more efficient. We're then handed off to another bow-legged presenter, and the new MacBook Pros are introduced. The new 14- and 16-inch models look the same as the old ones, and the old 13-inch with a touch bar is officially dead. Instead, the 14-inch takes its place with a new lower price of $1,599. The older model started at $1,699. Well, this just sounds great, doesn't it? Well, that's until you realize this model now debuts with the plain vanilla M3 chip versus the Pro chip of its predecessor. The new model has one less USB-C port and starts off with only 8 gigs of RAM. The last 14-inch started with 16 gigs and 512 gigs of storage, same as the older model. The new, starting at $2,499 16-inch Pro, comes base with an M3 Pro chip, 16 gigs of RAM, and 512 gigs of storage. The presenter then basically begs those who are still using Intel-based Pros to upgrade before he hands it off to a refreshingly not bow-legged female presenter. After touting how great your life will be with the new MacBook Pros, again begging users to get rid of those nasty Intel-based models, she introduces us to a new color, Space Black, which looks sort of dark gray to these old eyes. But wait! What makes the color special is the fingerprint-resistant coating it carries. What? Oh, and the new MacBooks tout a battery life of 22 hours. From there, we're handed off to, well, I really can't remember who. It might have been to the previous bow-legged presenter, but don't quote me on, on that. <laughs> anyway, the now M3 chip 24-inch iMac is introduced with no change whatsoever. Not even new colors. What? Even the magic peripherals are still the same. Still using the old lightning connector, not USB-C. I saw a comment somewhere that posited perhaps Apple is redesigning the Magic Mouse. And when that's ready for release, the keyboard and trackpad will also get USB-C. This will allow Apple to release all three together. Well, I don't know. I'm not waiting around for the redesigned Magic Mouse. I've got my eye on a Logitech MX Master 3S for Mac. The presenter claims that the new M3 chip is twice as fast as the last Intel-chipped iMac, so those users are again begged to upgrade. Man, Apple really wants you off Intel machines. I guess that'll make it easier to create and roll out new Mac OS versions and updates. Combine this with NVIDIA, AMD, and Qualcomm aiming for the laptop and desktop market with ARM-based chips, and this can't be good for Intel. 
Tim Cook then reemerges and sums up all the new stuff that was just announced and how great it will be when you purchase them, which officially ends the event. During the credits, we find out the entire thing was filmed using iPhones. Along with the 13-inch touch bar equipped MacBook Pro, it appears to me that the 27-inch iMac has also gone to its grave. Time will tell on that, I guess. Apple wants you to use an expensive Mac Studio computer with an outrageously expensive Apple display instead. Can't afford that? Tough luck. Surrender three inches of display space and buy a 24-inch iMac. Oh, and there were no video game company tie-ins as most commentators expected. I believe these announcements were originally supposed to be next year in part of a larger event, but the earlier in the month Qualcomm chip announcements put some pressure on Apple and the company just couldn't let them steal the limelight. Then again, what do I know? I'm just an old senior citizen pensioner who was able to afford a microphone before he retired. <laughs> Along with the Game Maker tie-in and USB-C ports for the Magic series of peripherals, we also didn't see the Ultra version of the M3 chip, which I guess will be coming next year during WWDC, along with a new Mac Studio and perhaps a Mac Pro. Nothing introduced during this event appealed to me, and I'd say the non-pro community, which is the bulk of the consumer population. My next Mac purchase will be an M2 chip MacBook Air, which will unify my Apple lineup as my new Mac Mini, iPad Pro, and lone laptop will all be powered by the M2 chip. Are you going to buy anything announced at the Scary Fast event? Tech I'm using. I'm enjoying my new Mac Mini setup. Gone are the days of having to warm up the old iMac and even after doing so, staring at the beach ball of death while the old mechanical hard drive tried to keep up. That and the paltry 8 gigs of RAM constantly trying to memory swap with the drive didn't help things either. I still haven't gotten around to figuring out how to power my webcam and ring light via the LG monitor's USB ports or even buying a better USB hub. All that will come with time. I got a message from Apple wanting my MacBook Air trade-in, but I hadn't and still haven't received the trade-in kit. I contacted Apple customer service, who said they showed the kit was delivered a week before. A quick check with FedEx's website showed it was in fact delivered, just not to my address. Instead, it was delivered two towns over for some reason. I sent proof to Apple and was dispatched a new kit, which should arrive by Monday, this time being delivered by FedEx's rival, UPS. Fingers crossed. Now here's some good news. My lovely wife's iPhone 15 Pro Max was finally delivered. But not without some drama. The phone showed an out-for-delivery status on the 31st of October by 7 p.m. Well, that time came and went, and we received a text message from UPS saying that the delivery date had changed and that they would let us know when that date was as soon as possible. Uh? Disappointed, we resigned ourselves to our fate and went on to other things. About 9 o'clock that evening, our doorbell rang, and thinking it was a late trick-or-treater, I answered the door only to find a UPS driver wanting a signature for the delivery of an iPhone. That was definitely a treat for Halloween. I'd like to think that the UPS driver saw that it was an iPhone and decided to deliver it, knowing what it's like to wait for an iPhone, especially after two months. Anyway, all's well that ends well. My wife is enjoying her new phone, liking the larger screen and increased battery life the most. 
I do have a new piece of tech to report on this week, though I haven't set it up yet. It's no secret that crime is becoming out of control these days, even in suburban areas. About a week ago, my wife was in our backyard when she noticed that something or someone had moved the screen of one of our basement windows as if they were trying to break into our house, of which an attempt was made years ago. I have a ring stick-up camera back there, but there's a blind spot. To address this and another blind spot near our vehicles, I decided to purchase two Blink outdoor cameras, which happened to be 40% off on Amazon. I decided to purchase the Blink cameras instead of another ring camera because of the price, and the Blink cameras are, are powered by two humble AA batteries and have a long battery life rating. I'll most likely install them next week, and I'll have a full report for you within the next episode. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Entertainment News In an expose by Rolling Stone magazine, it appears that HBO, now called Max, had an army of social media bots that they let loose to counter bad reviews from TV and movie critics of the network's content. These bots struck back by accusing those critics of being racist, trans, and homophobic. You know, the usual name-calling that goes on these days. This follows the recent discovery that Rotten Tomatoes in certain studios pay or grant access to critics on a site in exchange for favorable reviews. This most likely explains why many shows will have like a 95% favorable critics rating, while the viewers rating will be way below that and vice versa. We can assume just about all the studios do the same, which renders these professional entertainment rags and websites, along with social media, as useless for determining what to watch. I guess word of mouth is the most reliable method, as it always has been. 
The video game IP-based movie, Five Nights at Freddy's, enjoyed a huge Halloween weekend opening in theaters, though it was also released for streaming on the Peacock service at the same time. The wife and I watched it on television on Halloween, and while we found it entertaining, you really need to be a fan of the video game to know many of the references made within it. This movie was one of those panned by critics, but was loved by viewers on Rotten Tomatoes and other sites. I can report that there was no virtue signaling within the story, and the success of this movie goes to show you that there's no need to do so. The budget for the film was about a quarter of what a Disney television series costs, with Bloomhouse Studios, who produced it, bragging that they had already made their money back even before the movie was released. Maybe other studios will take this as a lesson. No. Yeah, I'm looking at you, House of Mouse. Podcast news. No big goings-on within Podcast Incorporated this week, and as the quote, industry is still being rocked by a combination of lower listenership and low advertising rates. As I've said before, we can expect things to continue this way for the perceivable future, with the effect of more consolidations and cuts in employees and podcasts going forward. Last week, I reported on Amazon-owned podcast studio Wondery establishing four channels on Amazon's ad-supported video streaming service Freebie. Supposedly, these channels were debuting on October 31st, but I haven't been able to find them no matter how hard I've searched. I looked within the live channel section, the on-demand section, and did an in-app search for them using the terms Wondery and the names of the individual podcasts that were said to be on Freebie, all to no avail. Either I'm searching wrong or in the wrong place, or Wondery hasn't made it to Freebie yet. I'll keep on checking for these podcasts when I remember to do so. I use Hindenburg Pro as my digital audio workstation for recording this podcast. While using my ancient iMac with Hindenburg, I'd experience app crashes, sometimes four crashes per recording session. While recording last week's episode, Hindenburg crashed twice, something I never thought would happen upon upgrading my computer. The old iMac was equipped with an old mechanical drive and 8 gigs of RAM. My new setup has an SSD for storage and 16 gigs of RAM. I think I know why I was getting these crashes. After finishing the recording of the episode and while editing, I received an OS message telling me I should close out some apps because I was out of system memory. Like the old Chrome browser, I think Hindenburg has a memory leak, which is not cool, as the young people say. Well, I've just received an update from Hindenburg, so hopefully that fixes the problem. If this continues, I'll have to consider switching digital audio workstations, which is a shame as I really like Hindenburg. On the brighter side, my Waves plugins work flawlessly now, something that was hit or miss using the old iMac. October 31st, besides being Halloween, marked the fourth year anniversary of the launch of the OFNT podcast. A lot of changes in format and especially equipment has taken place over those four years. Instead of marking this anniversary with a special episode, I have decided to wait until next Halloween, which will mark the fifth year of the show. To mark this anniversary, I'll just spin the yarn on the beginnings of the OFNT podcast and a brief overview of the changes of those years. After writing and then deleting two complete novels, yes, they were just that bad, I decided to start a blog. I actually put up a placeholder on Google's blog service, but never actually wrote anything on it. In early October of 2019, my wife was away visiting relatives and wasn't returning until just before the Thanksgiving holiday. 
Bored when I wasn't at work, I looked for something to occupy my time. I don't recall how I came upon the idea of a podcast, and unfortunately that's still in evidence to this very day. <laughs> but it seemed to be easier than banging out words on a keyboard. Wrong. I mean, how hard could it be just to blep about something for 30 minutes or so? I did this every day at work, and the only difference was that my words weren't being recorded, at least that I knew of. I did need a microphone, though, but which model should I get? Well, I fired up YouTube and searched for the best microphone for podcasting. The Blue Yeti seemed to be the one attested to by hosts that, looking back on it, probably were paid to recommend the thing. I ordered a black Blue Yeti, which surprisingly arrived the next day, even though I hadn't ordered it from Amazon. After unboxing my prize, I hooked it up via the USB port to my computer and tested it out. Hey, it worked. Oh, wait, what do you use to actually record something, I wondered. Well, it was back to YouTube for answers, and lucky me, being that I was using a Mac computer, the good people over at Apple had provided the GarageBand app gratis for my podcasting needs. Wonderful! After learning the bare minimum of the app, I finally sat down to record something. After introducing myself in the podcast, I rambled a bit on some subjects until there was nothing else I could think to talk of. Total time? Eh, about four minutes. Well, that wasn't good. Not good at all. I figured I'd have to write some sort of script before recording, which I did that very evening. Early the next morning, newly written script in hand, I sat down to record once again. Total time for this attempt? Well, a healthy ten minutes. Well, that was better than my last attempt, I reasoned to myself. Upon playing that episode back during editing, not only my voice was recorded. The wind blowing, dogs barking, birds chirping, neighbors arguing, leaf blowers blowing. Cars driving by and even aircraft flying overhead were all present. I couldn't release this, so it was back to researching. This time I searched and found real podcasters and learned that the Blue Yeti was the worst microphone to start off with unless you were recording in a soundproofed room. That's because the Blue Yeti is a condenser microphone, which is ultra-sensitive to its surroundings. What I needed was a dynamic microphone, which was less sensitive to my surroundings. I returned the Yeti and purchased a Samsung Q2U for about 40 bucks from Amazon, which I, I received a couple of days later. The Q2U has the advantage of being able to use either a USB or an XLR connection to record, the latter requiring an audio interface. I tried the mic using USB, but wasn't satisfied with the recording levels. You know, I had no idea I could increase levels in post-processing back then. So I returned to Amazon and purchased the cheapest audio interface I could find, which was the Behringer UM2. I think that was the model number, which could be had for less than 20 bucks back then and an equally cheap Amazon Basics XLR cable. A couple of days later, I took delivery of these items, set them up and again recorded. It went much better. Most of the outside noises were gone, but the UM2 injected a high-pitched whining noise, which drove me nuts. I finally solved this by using a longer USB cord in order to place the Behringer as far away from my recording space as I could. Though the whining sound was banished, the amps within the unit were too weak to drive the Q2U microphone, resulting in a distorted audio. Again, I still hadn't realized I could record at a lower volume and just raise it in post. After some hasty research, I decided to purchase a Focusrite Scarlett Solo interface, but noticed that the better-rated Focusrite Scarlett 2i2 was on sale for just $10 more, so I ordered that model instead. It arrived on the evening of October 30th. 
Upon receipt, I set it up and tested it. It really was a step or three up from the cheap plastic Behringer. Late the next morning, which happened to be Halloween, I recorded the embarrassing first episode of the OFNT podcast, which was titled Hello World. Well, how original, right? Now I needed some intro and outro music to spice things up. YouTube is where I source these things. Having done all that, I just needed to figure out how to get my masterpiece out on the Internet. Another search revealed that I needed to have a hosting service in order to distribute my podcast. Well, another search of hosting companies pointed me to one named Buzzsprout. I went to the site and signed up for a 30-day free trial and posted that first episode. I used that same setup until December of that year, adding a Behringer mic preamp and channel strip to get rid of the remaining noise and a Rode Procaster microphone. The following April, during the pandemic, I swapped the Behringers for a DBX-286S, which eliminated the noise problem completely, and bought an Electrovoice RE320 microphone, which I love and still love. June of 2020, I replaced the Focusrite Scarlett 2i2 with a Motu M2, and besides the addition of a Paraline conditioner, kept that set up until last month. I left the Buzzsprout hosting service for Captivate in December of 2021 and switched to my current host, Red Circle, last winter. I also started using software plugins later that winter. Last month, I retired the Motu and DBX unit for the Lewitt Connect 6 and finally was able to get my Grail mic, the Electrovoice RE20, all of which I'm using to record this very episode. For now, I can say I'm satisfied. The only other upgrade for the future would be a replacement for my old Audio-Technica M40 headphones, the only original hardware left for my original setup. Well, I guess could, this could be kind of a story time. You know, time has slipped by, so there's no rant and no real story. I will say that in terms of trick-or-treaters, this was the quietest Halloween I can remember. Usually we get at least 50 kids and a few adults during the day. This year we only got 16, and yes, we, we counted. The majority of the trick-or-treaters were young teenagers. There were no toddlers or youngsters in evidence for some reason. We had many more trick-or-treaters during the height of COVID China. than we had this year. Is the spirit of Halloween fading? I know that Halloween, which was basically a children's event when I was a kid anyway, has been hijacked over the years by adults. Perhaps this is the cause of the dearth of children trick-or-treating these days. What do you think? music is playing and to tell you the truth i'm kind of tired of talking i hope you enjoyed this episode i enjoyed making it for you if you like what you heard you can make a donation using the link in the show notes any and all donations will be greatly appreciated you can always reach me at ofntpodcast at gmail.com if you're so inclined i'd enjoy hearing from you so remember don't listen to what they say watch what they do now Halloween is over and so is this episode so why don't you do me a favor and get off my lawn 
Stay skeptical. I'm out. See ya. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.